Welcome to another episode of Deep Dive. I'm Amy. And I'm Shane. And this week we're going to be talking about the voice of God, baptism, and humanity. Do you hear it? So yesterday, Sunday, was Baptism of the Lord Sunday. So our scripture today is Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. At that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River so that John would baptize him. John tried to stop him and said, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me. Jesus answered, allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, he immediately came up out of the water. Heaven was open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove and resting on him. A voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I dearly love. I find happiness in him. Okay, so this is not something that you necessarily talked about and you did a little bit, I think, but one of the questions that came up for me when I was having conversation Mm -hmm. with other folks um, is really about God speaking because we have, you know, in this, the story of the baptism, the voice from God Mm -hmm. coming down in Matthew, it says, this is my son and others. It says you are. Mm -hmm. Um, The question came up though, how does God speak to us? Now, it's not really something you covered, but it was something that came up because of the scripture. Yeah, that is a, uh, that is quite the question. Isn't it? I just thought we'd start off with that. Something easy right there at the beginning. Yeah. um, When you started asking that, it reminded me of this, um, this article I'd read a few years ago, and uh, we'll put it in the show notes so you can see it. It's by T.M. Lerman, and it was in the New York Times, and it was asking that question of like, how do other people hear mm-hmm. God speaking? And there was an interesting stat in it. It was, uh, it was, and she's referencing this 2000 study, this ethnographic study where they're asking this question. And they found that 38.7, you know, want to get really precise here, mm-hmm. 38.7% of, of the population reported to have heard visual or auditory um, or other, we're going to use the word hallucinations, mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, they don't mean that in a dis- sure. disparaging way, uh, hallucinations or out of body experiences mm-hmm. that they would describe as God speaking to them. Mm-hmm. So what is so interesting about this question is everybody makes the assumption that to say one has heard the voice of God, you're in crazy town. Right. But mm-hmm. the reality is if in an anonymatized fashion, if we're allowed to answer that, it's a large percentage, you know, almost hmm. two fifths of the population would mm-hmm. claim to have had some sort of thing. And I guess it depends on how, like how narrow, but I, I've even seen another study and I can't find it immediately. That's talking about, it's like it, like maybe 15% plus will actually swear they have heard an audible, audible. voice of God. Now I'm not one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, have you, Nor am I? <laughs> yeah. You've not heard the audible. Have not. I, I would say I've definitely had like, I wouldn't call them out of body experiences, mm-hmm. but I would just say like transformative experiences. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting research in this now because people are talking about um, things like nature therapy yes. yeah. and and um, and uh, sensory deprivation chambers, mm-hmm. along with. And I think I've even mentioned this before in it that people are getting wild, like taking LSD because mm-hmm. it creates mm-hmm. this sort of like 
detached, see mm-hmm. yourself experience. Uh, and then what's interesting is religious experience lumps in those, if, you know, from a neurological perspective, a lot of the same processes are happening that these transformative experiences, all that is to get back to say, <laughs> I'm not someone that's heard the voice of God. Mm-hmm. And so I get, it's a complicated question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in many ways, I'm, I'm glad that's a complicated question uh, because I think it sheds light on some of the core nature of Christianity um, and the Christian faith, particularly within the Judea, the Judeo-Christian uh, spectrum is um, I think we all want that voice because we think if we hear that voice, it's going to give us certainty. Correct. Okay. And, Absolutely. And, and because we all want that mm-hmm. and, and I don't, so I don't, even I want that despite what I'm about to say is <laughs> I'm, I'm going to downplay certainty, just a spoiler mm-hmm. alert, but, uh, but I, we all want it. And, and so I think if we think, oh man, if I just hear God's voice, I'm going to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we would find, and I think if we could talk to the people that have heard the voice or had those experiences, I think they would probably say it didn't give them certainty. Mm-hmm. It might've given a, a, a certainty in a certain moment, like a certainty mm-hmm. of comfort or a sense of peace. You know, I've talked to people who are in, you know, living their last moment, last days, and they would argue that they've had this sort of supernatural sense of peace come upon them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I think in those moments, maybe it's going to give them a reassurance from that moment, but it's not necessarily going to answer every question. And I think that's the root of of certainty is that you're, you want to know the answer to everything. Mm -hmm. And, and um, so I, to relate it back to a sermon I did back, in the fall um, talking about Jacob wrestling with this angelic figure, God, Jesus, whatever we want to say. I do think the nature of our faith is one of wrestling and that the products of wrestling are better than the products of certainty mm-hmm. uh, because wrestling comes with uh, humility uh, comes with sort of like that aspect that, you know, God cannot be tamed. And I think the idea with certainty is that God could be tamed or understood. It's just not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, that's why the, I think the imagery that um, Celtic Christianity uses for the Holy spirit is particularly if you're familiar with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's honking like a yep, wild goose. goose. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a great one, isn't it? It's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Um, and so I think there is something in that wrestling. So is there anything you want to add before I, I'm about to jump off into something wild? So I just, any no. other, you're, I'm curious about your, your thoughts on this because well, I've, I've laid it out there. I've not heard the voice. No, do, I do, ha- do you no. know people that have swore they've I, heard the voice? I don't, I okay. don't. But what, what kind of came up in the conversation that I was a part of, and you mentioned mm-hmm. it a little bit is that nature aspect mm-hmm. and even kind of thinking about the goose. And I know they're talking metaphorically yeah, there, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. truly, being in nature, having experiences with animals, even kind of mm-hmm. showing up when you wouldn't expect them to and oh, okay. acting in yeah, yeah. You know, kind of ways that you wouldn't expect an animal to act. Yeah. Um, kind of a, a reassuring, comforting presence. Yeah. And I, to me, I'm willing to say that like if, if certain types of animals just have sort of an intuitive sense of empathy, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm comfortable saying that's God acting. I mean, cause I, <laughs> I, I, 
creatures are not created in the likeness of God, but the very fact that they are created by a creator mm -hmm. means they're going to bear some degree of imprint. And mm -hmm. so if there's a, you know, like dogs have just mm -hmm. this native mm -hmm. sense of empathy. If it, I, if you want to say God was speaking to your dog, like that dog offering you empathy, I, I'm going to say amen. Right. You know, I, <laughs> I don't have the experience. We have a cat and our cat just, you know, I'm not willing to say our cat's scratching us <laughs> or, uh, or just, say, you know, walking away when we say, come here. I'm not willing to go there and say, that's God. <laughs> Boomerang is wonderful. <laughs> he is wonderful. He's a very good cat who got out last night and scared us to death, but we got him. So... So I, I, to me, the root of this comes down to, one, reminding ourselves that there's a Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit works in mysterious ways. It's also to remind ourselves that, like, I think that maybe the answer to this question is, how do we do theology? Now, that's not sexy, that, but stick with me here on this. Um, the big lie of evangelicalism is that they don't interpret Sure. Correct. Um, you know, an evangelical would pick up a Bible and said, this is God, you know, God's word's perfect. Bible's mm -hmm. God's word. Therefore the Bible's perfect. Mm -hmm. And then just a plain reading of the text, the common sense gospel. Mm -hmm. I, I, mm -hmm. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure we've all heard the common sense gospel. Um, but the reality is we are all doing theology. We all are doing interpreting. And so I think the devil in the detail about hearing God's voice is how we do that. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, we do it in community. It's never done in isolation. I think that's a really big difference right there is if you're struggling to hear God's voice, talk to someone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you're, if you're really struggling to understand meaning or a situation, talk to someone, it's meant to be done in community. So, um, you know, uh, Charles Wesley had something called the quadrilateral. Mm -hmm. That was a way of doing interpretation. I'm a fan of that, which means that when we seek to define God's will in our life, to understand theology on a certain subject. It's a combination of our own experience. What do I bring to the table? It's a combination of our reason. What's mm -hmm. our, what's our thinking out of things. It's a combination of a uh, church tradition. Um, and I'm forgetting the fourth. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the fourth? What's the fourth here? You I don't say, remember. Okay. So <laughs> it's reason, tradition, experience, um, well, I don't know. Some say there's three, some say there, four. Yeah. There's, there, I, is, there is a three-legged one. There there's is also th the Wesley's quadrilateral. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. can look up both. I'll try to link to those. It'd be interesting um, reading. But but uh, I think the idea is that like when we have a conversation, all those things are done in community. And so we're bringing all those things to a conversation. So if you can say, and I think where this is particularly like the forefront of this right now in the United States is this evolving conversation on race uh, and how... Uh, Christianity has just has been so associated with conservative politics that when something seems to go against that, it, it just blows people's minds. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and the and the issue of race and systemic injustice surrounding mm -hmm. race is a particularly interesting avenue into this because. Uh, most of our churches are incredibly segregated. And mm -hmm. so if a predominantly white church comes to the opinion that this is one's view on racial issues in, in the United States, but if they're willing to have that in a conversation mm -hmm. with 
primary, primary minority communities, or, mm-hmm. or God forbid, we actually have an integrated church, right. the conversation becomes radically different. I mm-hmm. think you can spin that out even to the most minute issues, but we're all bringing those things. We're all bringing our own experience. We all have different understandings of, of reason. And then church tradition is, is an interesting one because we all have different traditions. Um, I want to use an example from our denomination on this one. We are in the Presbyterian Church, PCUSA, USA. Um, and one of the big things our denomination and the Methodists are going through this right now is ordination of people within the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. So those like myself and many others have been in the camp for a while. We would like to see our polity open up and allow that. So over the last, I don't know, 15 years or so, we've been haggling about this as a denomination. It has come very close to passing a few times, but about four or five, six years ago, it finally passes. It's not mandatory. It's up to local churches what they want to do in that. And so people always come back and they say, they say, you know, how can you do this? It seems counter to their understanding Mm -hmm. of the word of God. And it's because, you know, you can isolate some passages that certain translations would say homosexual news break. There's no word for homosexual in the Bible. Um, but it uses a word that I think it is safe to assume that maybe Paul or maybe some of those early Christians wouldn't have understood sexuality in the way we do in terms of orientation. So when we come to that conversation about what is God saying, I want to hear God's voice on this. I want to hear this certainty. It just doesn't come. Um, or if it does come, honestly, sometimes it comes in conflicting manners. Uh, and so we enter into that conversation of what's the Bible say? Well, the Bible does say some things that seem to be marginally condemnatory of same-sex uh, behavior, but it's not in the way we understand it. It's talking about probably in a very t- different cultural context. And so we say, okay, it's not the same thing. It's close. So we're going to have to wrestle with that more. Um, we come to and say we bring our church tradition. Well, our church tradition is it's not been accepting of this. Um, and so that enters the conversation. And then the third thing that enters the conversation is our experience. Uh, and this is where I think the whole thing comes together. And this is we have to remind ourselves as Christians is we test all things by the Spirit, all things by the Spirit. We're not just robots who read something and then go do something. It's always tested by the spirit. That's why I love the story of Peter changing his mind about Gentiles mm-hmm. being part of the kingdom of God, because all of his, everything he knew about life, scripture, tradition, experience up until that point said to him that Cornelius and his family yep. could not have been believers. And yet the Holy spirit came in and changed his mind. That was actually the reading. It, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yep. The, the secondary reading we had from this past Sunday mm-hmm. was Peter explaining his mind change. Mm-hmm. So for us as a domination, we come and we arrive and we say, my experience has been, I have many friends who are frankly more committed to their faith than my estimation myself. They show the discipline of it, the passion of that, but they also are married to partners of the same sex. And I see that, I see that relationship bear good fruit. I see them build each other up in faith. I see them build community. I see that relationship being life-giving. I have one of my very best friends from all the way back from the beginning of college who felt the call to ministry, who came out about midway through seminary. And it is clear God is with him. It is clear that this aspect of his personality, or not personality, this aspect of his self 
is God created? Um, and so for me, when that experience enters that conversation and when people who are in that community are allowed to participate in that conversation as full equals, it changes the terms of the discussion. So for our denomination, it did mean we made those changes. Um, all these things are acts of faith. This is, this is the idolatry of certainty at play. Um, but I, I think above all things we need to remember, we're always testing things by the spirit. And so sometimes we make mistakes. That's why the book of Acts is wonderful because it is mm-hmm. full of people making mistakes. Um, but they're always testing it by the spirit and the spirit changes their mind, sometimes confirms. Would it be easier if God just wrote it in a note or whispered it in our ear? Sure. <laughs> but I don't think it's too bold to say it wouldn't be Christianity because Christianity is about wrestling and testing the spirit. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and then in that case, I mean, if, so if God is speaking audibly directly to me and I know, mm-hmm. then, I mean, my, my part in community would be simply to impart mm-hmm. exactly Correct. what I'm hearing rather than really being in the spirit yeah. of what it is to be in community with one another. Yeah. And, and what's interesting to say that is because you might hear what you just said and think, Oh, well, that just sounds like a prophet. But then, but when we get into yeah, the yeah, inside yeah. logic of prophets, we see prophets themselves are wrestling yes. with what they feel God is calling them right. to say. Um, and I think that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think going along with the conversation that we've been having already, you, um, I think, wrestled with yourself the question of why was Jesus baptized? Yeah. And what does that say about Jesus's humanity? And what does that say about ours? So those, those are pretty broad. But... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, th- the thing that really sort of unlocked it for me was reading the scholar John Dominic Crossan's understanding of that, that, that Jesus's baptism was an acute embarrassment to the mm-hmm. early church. I thought that was so fascinating because Jesus as a God, as God, is very unlike the other gods, you know, um, you know, the, of the, of the ancient near East, um, you know, a suffering servant to steal the term from Isaiah, you mm-hmm. know, very unlike. And so it, it just makes you wrestle with these weird bits of theology of how is Jesus fully God, fully human. If he's fully human, how's he access to the God part? Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that's where this story unlocked for me because the story of Jesus baptism and my, you know, most of my life was like, eh, it happened. I, it, it didn't, it really didn't create a crisis of faith in me, but the <laughs> fact of seeing it was a crisis of faith in sure. other people, generations made me ponder it sort of anew um, and look at, and, and I do think for me, um, you know, when you preach, you're always in many ways preaching to yourself um, because you, you're confronting the things in of yourself. And then you, in many ways, put those on display for other people. I can't preach <laughs> other people's story. I can only preach my own. Um, and so for me, the the good news I felt this week was the sort of recovering of the goodness that humanity was created to be mm. um, and to just remind remind ourselves of that. And to me, and I, I didn't talk about this in the sermon. This is why this is deeper dive, getting deeper. Mm-hmm. To me, focusing on recovering the fullness of humanity um, connects us to this real world in a way that this, um, that the other worldview that most Christians honestly have that were these disembodied souls put into temporary bodies. Uh, and then we'll live out wispy soul life in heaven. I think what that does is it creates a disconnect from the modern world. 
Who cares if we pollute the streams? Who cares right. if we do all these things? Mm-hmm. It's all just going to get wiped away anyways. But mm-hmm. if this is, if what we believe is our whole selves, our bodies, you know, our souls, we are souls. And ultimately our hope is that this will, we will have a resurrected, perfected body. If that's our hope and we're going to be living here on earth, it motivates me to want to take care of this earth better because mm-hmm. this is my home. Now, granted, God, God could reform anything, but, but there is a sense, especially because we have access to the spirit since Jesus has, you know, torn the veil open. We're fully connected to the kingdom of God. We have access to it. Like, why not just get that process started? Mm-hmm. It's not on me. It's on God. I'm not saying it's our, we're going to make it happen of our own strength, but why not go ahead and participate in that kingdom now? Um, you know, it's, to me, it reminds me to put the environmental twist on it. It reminds me of a cartoon that I saw that was, uh, someone standing before the, um, UN. It was like, what if we actually believed in this climate change and did all the things, you know, cleaner water, more affordable, renewable Mm -hmm. energy, you know, uh, cleaner (laughs) air. And and it's like, Oh, how terrible, (laughs) how terrible. Um, you know, so I, to me, it, it roots me a little more right here, right now, in a way, um, because I, you can always recover more of that humanity now of who you were created to be and that goodness God created you to have. So um, I don't know. That that was the good news I I felt this last week. Mm-hmm. And, and to remind, you know, that feeling of the water is a reminder mm. of those things. And, you know, we did a reaffirmation of baptismal vows, um, which is just, you know, it's always a moving thing, mm-hmm. um, particularly if you're someone that grew up in a uh, um, were baptized as a child and don't have a physical memory. Sure. I do. I was baptized, I believe, when I was 10. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a physical memory of the, you know, the robe getting soaked and getting, you know, in the water being bizarrely hot and being up on display <laughs> for everyone and all those things. I'm very thankful for that. As parents, we made a choice for our daughter to allow her to be older so she could have that memory. It doesn't, I'm not saying either one is, is preferable of the other. It's just a choice. Um, but if you're someone who is baptized as an infant, one part of the baptismal story you really get is that God chose you for salvation before you know you needed it. Right. That covenantal, right. you understand that in a way I don't. But you don't have that sense memory, mm-hmm. which is why I think talking about baptism and reaffirming those vows and having that sense is really important and so moving. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting because I was, I think, 12 when I was baptized. So neither of us were babies. All right. right. Were you dunked in a, in a baptistry at a church? No, it was was sprinkling, still sprinkling, but I do remember it. Now have you, this is, this is something you should all look up on YouTube because it will blow your mind. Eastern Orthodox churches immerse infants. (laughs) So, which sounds horrific it does. until you see how they do and it. And then it's yes, wonderful. Because they, because they well, I don't know if it's wonderful, <laughs> but it's like you look at it and be like, mm, I'm a little more comfortable <laughs> with this. You know, priest puts the baby in the arm and they sweep them through oh. the water. It's not, you well, know, that's like, kind of adorable. You know, yeah, it's, it's not, not a dunking. It's not hold an infant under the water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a professor once tell me, uh, you know, because we had to learn all the different forms of baptism and practice them. He he often said as a joke to students, when you're dunking someone, hold them down until you see bubbles. So. <laughs> Make sure it really counts. <laughs> Back in the early church, three times forward. Yeah. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Baptized forward. It's wild. Yeah. So this is really in- 
interesting because I listen to the Working Preacher mm-hmm. podcast every week. So two of those um, commentators um, had actually ended up being at the Jordan River on Baptism of the Lord oh, wow. Sunday yeah. um, in the Syrian Orthodox Church. Um, different years. So they had very different experiences, mm-hmm. but um, kind of described these stories of this very crowded, very joyous, very loud people doing wow. cannonballs into the Jordan <laughs> and, and things like that. So I know that yeah. you, you visited there and you shared yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, we, we unfortunately did not go to there. There's a historical site. Okay. Well, they say it's the baptism of the Lord. I've site, seen this sign like, where it's like straight ahead. Yeah, yeah. Place of Jesus. Yeah, baptism. and then there's like a weird, they almost like take a little tributary off of it where there's a little bowl you can get mm-hmm. in that's not actually in the river. And then there's, you know, because it's a national border, by the way, it's one of the most heavily guarded borders. And that's what they were saying yeah. that they were, you know, there were some people on one side yeah. celebrating and people on the other side yes. also celebrating, yeah, but it's, separated it's by super the river. Interesting. And it's like the water is gross. Like yeah. it's, it's it very gross looking great. water. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's not, it's, you know, we think of the stream and we think of the clear mountain oh. waters or something, which by the way, if we were doing that, that'd be freezing. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. One of the things I've always thought interesting about baptism too, is there in the Didache, which is this later like teaching that was advice to the church and teaching of the mm-hmm. apostles. It, they came up with all these scenarios how you could do baptisms. And so one of the ones, and I think I can't help but think that the story of the Ethiopian eunuch brought this up, was um, even though they had water there, um, you know, what if you converted someone in the faith and you weren't anywhere near water? Mm-hmm. And so this is true. You can actually baptize people using sand. Sand. Have you heard this? Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, yeah you could pour sand as a simulation of water. I thought that's... They they thought it all through because <laughs> they, they, it was that important that yeah. we need to make this happen. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Now is the time in the show. We have some things we would encourage you to deep dive. Uh, yeah, I think you'd enjoy them. Amy, you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. So I I love a good theme actually. (laughs) So you may not have noticed because you can't really see all of it, but my t-shirt actually goes along with my recommendation today. Wow. I know. Next level. Yeah. Very themed. (laughs) So uh, my daughter, Addie, and I had the chance to go see Hamilton (laughs) last week. And that has to be my recommendation. What I told her after um, it was over was that if we had been home and that was like a movie, I would have been weeping at the end oh, yeah. of it instead yeah, yeah. of like the silent, polite tears oh, at, at the end. Yeah, um, weeping in theater is always a tough, yeah, like, what, yeah. what do I do? Yeah, yeah so yeah. I, I toned that down, but it was fantastic, as good as all the reviews. So still here in Nashville, I think, till the 18th or the 19th. If you don't have tickets, and this is why it's still a recommendation, because okay. if you don't have tickets, you can download the Hamilton app. Really? Yes. Uh-huh. And each day you can enter to win $10 tickets. So for every show that Hamilton does, like across the country, um, they reserve 40 tickets from every show, and each of them are $10 oh, since wow. Hamilton's on the $10 bill. So oh, that's you can, funny. you can, yeah, that's great. Yeah, you can give it a try and give it a shot. I am entering every day. I feel a little bit bad about it since I've already seen it and I don't want to take a ticket from someone who can't. But I mean, if I win, I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't feel bad. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I, mean, I, wouldn't, I would go. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought you were going to recommend it first. You were saying like, just go on StubHub, find your, no, find no, yourself no. some thirteen hundred dollars tickets, and just... you can't even do that because oh, really? you don't even get your tickets. They're all digital. You don't even get them until oh. ninety minutes before the show. Oh, it is wow. on lock. Oh wow! But you can win ten dollars tickets. Oh, man, <laughs> wow. Well, uh, mine is not as glamorous, as that, <laughs> so. uh, but it's something we've. I found. I I don't. I didn't don't even I didn't even realize I would enjoy this, but it was a weird someone had was mentioned obliquely on a podcast, and it is this show on Netflix called Blown Away. Okay, so it's a it's a reality like seen, competition. A okay, yeah, it's this reality competition show where there uh, every week is a competition, uh, and I think it starts out with like twelve people or something, and it whittles down each week, and they're glass blowers. Oh, I have so I've not seen that, but yeah. I had heard about it. Okay. Yeah. And and it's like I don't know how to describe it. Like it's not riveting, but it's like you look at it and just think, this is artistry. Yeah. Like even if you don't like what they make, it's so difficult. Yeah. It's so difficult. And it's very calming in that regard. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan a fan of um, I believe it's called like Making It on NBC, mm-hmm. which it's a little more crafty oriented. Right. We're very big fans of Nailed It, which is the like <laughs> we're terrible at baking yeah. show. Um, but this is kind of in that vein of you're seeing people make things, but they're every single, every single challenge, they don't know what's going to happen. You know, they did one the other night where they had to do a decanter in a glass. They, they've done one where they had to make a glass robot or something. It's just, it's really interesting. And, um, if you're just looking for a show, that's not going to stress you out, Mm -hmm. that you're just going to enjoy watching people make beautiful things and Mm -hmm. learn, uh, frankly, learn a lot, how Mm -hmm. complicated it is. Uh, it's really enjoyable. Awesome. Yeah. I'll check that out too. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, they're not long episodes, which is another sort of like, you can blow through like eight of them. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well that's it for deep dive. Uh, we'll try to put the links to everything down in the notes. Uh, we'll put links down there so you can be sure to not get Hamilton tickets. Ah. So you, you know, you do realize in making this recommendation, to, you've watered down the pool of your possibility. I know, of so but I mean, it, it's worth it. That's very altruistic. I know it, it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the notes there, in court, uh, including where you can go back and watch the sermon, all that will be available in the notes. Subscribe, like us, all those things on the different things. Uh, Google Play, YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, all those things. Share us with your friends so we can annoy them too. <laughs> but uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. See you. Bye.